We are Coming In Hot, the podcast. Welcome to Coming In Hot. Thank you live from Airplay Beats for the intro music. We are recording live from Darling New Media Studios in Midtown Sack. Now today, we got a very, very, very special guest in the building. Our first guest, actually, inside the studio. We got, first of all, a father. That's 1A. 1B is being a husband, Sacramento small business owner. If you don't know who I'm talking about, we're meeting the crew today. We're meeting me. (laughs) Uh, My first solo show, guys. I wanted to come on here, kind of tell my story, because I I, I hear a lot of other people's stories. You guys hear uh, our Meet the Crew with, um, you know, some of the people that have been with us since the beginning. And, you know, I was was a little hesitant on doing this one because I, I don't like to big myself up. I don't like to be... You know, even though you guys see me all over the place, I really don't like being the center of attention. Um, It's just one of those things that I do to grow my company. You know, I got to be out there. I got to tell my story. I got to, you know, I got to be the face of uh, Nash and Proper. Um, You know, big shout out to all the crew of Nash and Proper, um, especially uh, Jake. You know, my business partner, co-owner, co-founder of Nash and Proper. Um, big shout out to uh, Matt, you know, our executive chef. Um, just a total solid guy, you know, uh, pretty much my right-hand man. The guy that goes out, checks on every store, um, makes sure everything's running correctly. Uh, can't do it without this guy. Willie out in Elk Grove, uh, just absolutely killing it out there. Um, got the kitchen just moving in a way that, you know, I, I, I couldn't even dream of. Big shout out to Willie. He's been on here before. Um, big shout out to, you know, everybody in the company. Um, I can't say every single person's name. I only got an hour, but there's a lot of people that, do a lot of work and, you know, some of the time, you know, you just see me, you know, but um, definitely wanted to give a shout out to all of my crew that make it happen daily. Um, You know, Ibn out there on the trailer, just, just killing it right now. Um, It's our busy season. Um, Got a lot of stuff coming up. Guys got, Bottle Rock is uh, coming back this year. Uh, It got canceled, of course, last year due to COVID. Um, But can't wait to get out there, see everybody's face. Hopefully everybody's vaccinated. Hopefully everybody, you know, is vaccinated with a mask on because that variant is is getting us with the vaccines right now. So if you're listening to this, if you're going to be going to any kind of concerts, any kind of uh, outdoor events, even outdoor events, because you know how it gets when you're close to that stage. You know, you got people shoulder to shoulder. There's no social distancing in the front of a stage, people. So, you know, um, I, I went to my first concert in a couple years. It was uh Usher concert out in Vegas. Um, excellent concert, excellent show. Um, I was a couple rows away from LeBron James. Like that was, that was, <laughs> that, that was big. Um, yeah, you know, I got out there, you know, got the mask up. Um, uh, I, I told, um, I, I told the producer, she was like, how was it? Did you have the mask on? I was like, I did have the mask on, but. You know, there's a few times I pulled it down just so I could, so I should hear me. I knew every word. So, uh, 
yeah, but it was a good time. Good to get out there. Um, get out to Vegas again. Had a, had a few nice meals. Um, had, um, you know, brought, brought my wife and her two, uh, sisters with us. They, they got along great. They had a good time. Um, I, I, you know, if you know me, you know, I'm a big blackjack guy. I had to get out there, get my gamble on. Um, no, it was a good time. Didn't lose, didn't lose no money. That's always good. Um, didn't make no money, but you know, it's the losing part that I get to you. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to get into it. I'm going to, I'm going to just, you know, pretty much go through the same questions I ask everybody else, you know, so start from the beginning, you know, um, I'm, I'm from SAC, North, North Sacramento. Um, grew up in a, a really Catholic background. Went to Catholic school from K to 8. Uh, St. Joseph is not there anymore. Um, it was an actual St. Joseph church, our parish. And then across the street was St. Joseph school. Very small school. We had about, I say, maybe 300 kids a year at the whole school. And this is K through eight. Um, it was a private school, so my parents had to pay for it. Um, <sighs> this is this is a little touchy subject because I tell this story from my lens and my, my parents, some of my aunts, some of my uncles, they get upset when I call where we're from the ghetto or the hood. And I want to start, I want to say that I'm not saying it to tell people that I was out here gangbanging on a corner. I don't say it because of that. I say it because it's just uh, we didn't grow up with a lot. You know, we had everything that we needed. And this is what I, I really look back on my life. And I love my parents for doing. I appreciate my parents for doing keeping clothes on my back, keeping shoes on my feet, keeping a roof over my head, food in my belly. But they had to work their asses off to do that for me, to own their own house, to own their own cars. But I didn't grow up like some of the people that I went to high school with. And it was kind of the only way I could really tell them like how I grew up because I didn't grow up like most of them. Yes, there's a few people that grew up, you know, in the same neighborhood that I did that went to that school. But the people that I was rolling with, the they they didn't get it. So I guess the way that I, I had to say it so they could understand was like, yeah, I'm from the hood. We grew up really tight. My, my dad on his side of the family, eight brothers, eight sisters. He told the story on here already. You guys could go back to the archives and listen to it. This is my story. We grew up tight. Um, I had, two older cousins and an older sister. We all grew up together. Uh, PJ and Michelle, my two older cousins, Valicia, my older sister. We were the oldest of a lot of grandkids. Uh, I'm not even going to sit here and try to count them. Um, they, <clears throat> we grew up, we grew up tight. We all went to the same school. Um, PJ and Michelle eventually uh, ended up going to, to other schools. Um, 
my sister and I, four years apart. Uh, she'll tell you three and a half years. I think she said that <laughs> when she was on the podcast earlier this year. Um, sis, if you listen to this, you need to get your own um, episode on the podcast. You're here doing a special report with me with the St. Francis uh, scandal going on. But um, I got to get her back on here to, to tell her story from her point of view. Um, but me and my sister, we weren't close. Um, it was the time, you know, she, she grew up, she, uh, ended up going to St. Francis high school. And I, I kind of feel that's where we kind of really, uh, separated was when she went out to St. Francis. I was still at St. Joseph when she started, uh, St. Francis. And then by the time that I went to high school, I believe she was a senior at that time. So, um, you know, we, we just really never seen each other or, you know, really cross paths. We were in the same house, but we just never crossed paths. So I, 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 I always felt like a, a loner in that sense, or if you want to say like the black sheep of the family, um, just because, I, I didn't know how to move. Like I was just more into, you know, video games or I, you know, I have friends on the block, you know, go out there, play all day. Um, I used to play uh Nintendo when it first came out. Um, you know, I, I think actually my uncle Buster <laughs> crazy story. Like I remember he, him getting like one year, he got like all the grandkids, like a Nintendo system. And, um, that's, that's how I got into video games at a young age. Um, just playing, you know, uh, super Mario brothers, duck hunt, you know, but I only had like a short window. I always woke up early. I still do to this day. I w I wake up on a Saturday morning about seven o'clock and just play video games until my pops got up and he, he watched sports on the TV um, you know, boxing used to come on back then, baseball, basketball. Oh, you know, he'll take over the TV after that. And then I, I usually have to do some chores and then, you know, head out for the rest of the day. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was the hood, you know, we played, you know, hide and seek, rode our bikes, you know, try to go around the corner. We, we couldn't go around the corner. Like that was my, that was my parents thing. Like, because, you know, we start getting into these other parts of, uh, uh, strawberry manners where I'm from. Sorry. I should have said that in the beginning. So I'm, I'm from strawberry manners. Uh, manners is what we called it growing up. Um, little spot, uh, right on the outskirts of Del Paso Heights. Um, you know, one way in one way out. Um, but, you know, at the end, you know, just like every major, majority black neighborhood that happened back in the 80s, you know, crack sales started coming in, people started gang banging, you know, so my parents wouldn't let us drive around the block because they didn't, you know, we didn't know people around the block. We were really on our street. Like we knew everybody on our street. You start getting around the block. You don't know those people. So you never know what could happen. Um, so grew up on that block until I was about, uh, 12. Um, my, my auntie Bennett, her kids were PJ and Michelle. My grandma lived right next to them. We had, you know, uh, family events, like everything, every Easter, every Christmas, every Thanksgiving was down at grandma's house, eating that delicious food. You guys heard me talk about her a million times. Um, but just recently she passed. It was a tough one because my, my, my grandma, grandma Faye, she was, she was a real one. You know, she was, um, she was that person that, that I hold you down. Um, never judged anybody. She might've corrected you. She might've, you know, 
but she wasn't one of those people that judged. I got into a lot of trouble at school. I was just one of those kids that couldn't sit still. Um, Kid that didn't get good grades. Got sent. When they do the reading part of class, they'll send me to another part of the school. There's this little trailer. And it was me and then a couple people that didn't speak English. So... That was the classroom I was in. That's how I was raised. That's how people in my class thought of me. The kid that got to go down to, you know, the, the trailer because he can't, you know, he can't keep up with the reading. But my grandma, she never uh, judged me with that. To this day, you know, people still bring that up. And my family. No slight to them, but I'm just saying. You know. You always. uh, People always say, you know, family, family, family. But, you know, like. Those are the struggles that I had to get over. (laughs) Don't. Don't need to keep reliving that stuff. People. You know. Um. Uh, lived in a strawberry manager until I was 12, um, probably 11 because, uh, my, my parents, they bought another house. It was in, uh, Westgate and Westgate is all the way down, uh, Norwood. Uh, so, so Norwood and Bell, uh, yeah. So moved there. And shortly after we moved, my mom and my dad uh, brought me and my sister in, set us down, said they're getting divorced. My sister goes crazy, wailing, crying. And I'm just like thinking to myself, I'm like, about time. I mean, you know, growing up, listening to your parents, just arguing. Ooh, they argue. And we were in a small house. But as I grew older and what I think now, I appreciate my parents. Because through all those years of them fighting, they are doing it to keep a family together that shouldn't have been together. I don't know what happened. Still don't know what happened. That's a story when they're ready to tell me, if they ever tell me. That's a story that they got to tell. I don't know what happened. I just know that yelling at each other as soon as they get into the door from work, it's not healthy. And I knew it wasn't healthy back then. So after our parents set us down, told us what the deal was, my sister over here crying her eyes out. Um, <laughs> she gonna kill me for saying all that. Um, I was with my mom. Uh, my mom, my sister stayed for a little bit, but she would go kind of back and forth from, um, you know, my house or the house I was living in with my mom in Westgate to my dad. He stayed out in Strawberry Manors down the street from Grandma. this is where I grew up. This is where I met Alan Azumbra. Shout out Alan, uh, GM, uh, downtown or midtown, uh, McCooney. Um, we had, we had a tight crew. We had Alan, we had all the Robs, when I was growing up, there's a bunch of Robs. There's white Rob, there's black Rob, Filipino Rob, Mexican Rob. And then there's a Rob that we didn't even know what he was. He was mixed with a lot of stuff. Um, but you know, we, we was, we was out there, you know, we was, <laughs> we was just doing kid stuff, you know, from 12 to about 15, you know, break dancing in the, 
in the uh, my mom's garage on a cardboard, you know. But this is where I discovered, you know, music. You know, first it was West Coast, Tupac, you know, uh, Loonies, and then, uh, you know, E40, all that stuff. I used to listen to, uh, I used to be a West Coast guy. Um, and then Alan, one day he brought a tape. I don't know if it was a tape or a CD. But it was uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony. And I don't know if they had like, you know, wake up uh, first of the month out. I, I think it was like that first album that they had. And I listened. We, were, we always like he'll get these CDs and we'll just sit down in his living room and we'll listen to them. And I remember he put on. He put on um, Bone Thugs and Harmony, and I was like, this don't even sound like this ain't West Coast because we, we knew they were Easy es artists, but we never put two and two together. We were just like, who are these people? You know, where are they from? So we start looking, you know, we start reading the, the cover. Oh, they're from Cleveland. You know, this is how it was formed and, you know, Busy bone and wishbone and flesh and bone, you know, like, oh, flesh and bone, he's in jail, blah, 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 you know. So we're, we were, you know, like, we really got into the music and then we started getting into break dancing. And, and then the album that changed my life, Jizza Genius Liquid Swords. Alan got the CD. He put it in. And all it was was talking in the beginning. And I was like, what the hell? What are, what are we listening to? Like, this is crap. Throw this stuff out. You know, but we just kept listening. I think we were, like, practicing. We are you know, practicing, you know, windmills in his living room. He used to push back all the couches in his living room. He'd sit there doing windmills. I never got into the windmills. I, I was more of a shuffler, you know, ground shuffle, that kind of guy with the pose at the end. Never, you know, never got into the windmills and, you know, halos and stuff. But Alan was doing it, man. And he's a really good break dancer. Um, I had I just didn't have that arm strength, I guess, or knew how to work my body that way. <laughs> but he, he was he was fresh. He was fresh back then. Really nice on the break dance floor. Um, but he put this in, and I'm telling you, we listened to that album front to back, I don't know how many times. It was It was a lot. It was a lot. So still, you know, like, and then again, like going through it. And this is like when the West Coast, East Coast battle was going on, um, you know, listening to, you know, um, Tupac, listening to Biggie, you know, um, never got into Biggie, just wasn't my type of rapper. Sorry, people out there. That, that thought he was he was the greatest ever, but you know he's really good. It just wasn't my thing. Uh, more of a Tupac guy, um, hands down. But Wu Tang changed my life. Just musically, the way they rapped, the way they were together, the way they it, they didn't even have hooks on protect your neck. Like it was just pure raw talent rapping so i was all in went back then <sighs> alan came through with the the purple tape only built for cuban links another masterpiece but then i had to go all the way back pick up 36 chambers to know where they came from but from that from that day on it was just all Pretty much Wu-Tang, 
It was just pretty much all day, all night, going to sleep with, you know, liquid swords with, you know, basic instructions before leaving Earth, like just sleeping with my headphones on, just listen to the shit. Wake up. Shit would be already gone. The battery would be gone. <laughs> All that stuff. So, during this time, you know, uh, graduate from St. Joseph, um, but my my mom, she wanted me to go to Jesuit. Um, I didn't want to go to an all-male school, so I went to take the uh, placement placement exam for uh, Christian Brothers because by this time, Christian Brothers was a, a, a male-female before it was all male. But um, I think maybe, I don't know if I was the first year that they had a male-female, but... Um, I went to take the test. I didn't get in. So um, plan B, public school. Never went to public school. How I grew up, there was black folks, there was Mexicans, a couple Samoans around, a couple white people around. I didn't grow up around a lot of races. I, I, that, that was it. it was black, my family. A lot of Mexicans went to the Catholic school, a couple white dudes, a couple Filipinos. Um, the Samoans were just on the block. And then um, eventually, you know, knowing um, the, the Tongan guys. So really got to separate those guys because Tongans and Samoans are two di- different um, islands. So always shout out to, to my Tongans out there in Westgate. Um, so my mom, she did not want me to go to Grant. Um, Rio Linda was the place, um, there was a school in my school district where I lived. She didn't want me to go there. So she found a program called the International Baccalaureate Program at Mariloma, IB program. I don't know how I passed this this uh, entry exam, but I did. Went to Mariloma with um, with this IB program. Never even like didn't even think about what the IB program was. Like I was just like, all right, my mom wanted me to go to the school. Uh, my boy Chris Toomey and his brothers. Uh, shout out to Chris, Jacob, Henry, uh, Josh. Um, been been my family since third grade. Um, big shout out to Chris Toomey. He needs to get on here. Hopefully you listen to this one, <laughs> Chris, because you keep ducking me. Um, he was going there. His uh, I believe his grandparents lived down the street from the school, so he was using that address. Um, so kind of built-in ride, um, carpool system. Uh, so... Went to Mariloma and my, my, again, my life was changed and my eyes were open, um, to something different. Mariloma was interesting. Um, like I said, I, I'm coming from a school with 30 kids in my class to, you know, a school where I got it. I was all out. And again, St. Joseph, we're in one class a day. We weren't switching. We weren't switching classes. So all this was a shell shock to me going to a public school for the first time, being around a bunch of white people at the same time. Um, I didn't, I, I went in there just knowing, you know, like myself, like, you know, and Chris, Chris quickly, uh, got a girlfriend. Um, but you know, the, the first day I was there, I met a, a, a guy named Scott McConaughey. Shout out to Scott. Shout out to John, John McConaughey coach. <sighs> yeah, it was a shock. 
I never seen white people like like that. You know, we we had some we had white folks when we grow grew up, but you know, majority white. Never seen it before. And I'm gonna call a few people out here. Um, so <laughs> when I went to Mariloma, the Thomas High School wasn't built, or I think it was it was being built, something like that. So all the people from South and Thomas had to go to Mariloma. I don't know how it happened, but for some reason they're busting these kids from San Juan or uh, from South and Thomas over to Mariloma. <clears throat> people I played basketball, uh, baseball with, soccer with, were acting like gangsters. Where I was from, you wanted to get out of my neighborhood in Strawberry Manors to go to South Natomas because it was really nice, really nice houses. Everybody had on fresh kicks. Everybody had on fresh clothes. I'm not going to say everybody, but you guys know you was acting like gangsters out there with the white people. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> you guys was over there acting. Um, Mariloma was cool, man. Um, got a lot of lifelong friends from there. Shout out Tay. Shout out Bassam. Shout out Mike Cunningham. You know, shout out John. Shout out Eric. We had a cool Greg, my, my man Greg. Always checking in on me. Thank you for doing that, Greg. You know, like, I know you're a busy guy. You're out there building, rebuilding a house out there in the sticks, but you got time to check in on Cecil. Thank you. You know, um, shout out my man, Lai, from Airplate Beats for the intro music. Will Melichek. It was a crew, you know, like I can actually move from crew to crew and actually get in there and, you know, like, you know, just, just be in a different setting. That's what I liked about Mariloma. There was so much diversity there. If you wanted to, you know, be preppy, we could be preppy one day. If you wanted to, you know, hang out and, you know, be, be in the music. You could do that one day. If you wanted to just be a sports guy one day, you could go over with, you know, like with the, the guys that played three sports and hang out with them. But my crew, uh, mainly was Scott La from airplay beats with the intro music. Will. These were the people, you know, that, that formed, you know, kind of who I am today, you know, took, took style from lie, took hunger from Scott, you know, like these guys, like, you know, uh, Scott's dad, John coach is what we call him. He gave me, he, he, he's the one that, kind of put me on a path to be better than what I was being. He knew I wanted to play ball. He knew I didn't have the grades for it, but he told me he was a JV coach. I got, I I couldn't play any sports freshman year. I almost failed out of school freshman year, but he told me, figure it out. I know you could play basketball. I seen you out there. You're nice. He told me if I get my grades up, I will be a starter on that JV team next year. So I worked my ass off. I hit the books. And that next year, 
I was starting on the JV team. I wrote an essay on John McConaughey in in college. Who inspired you? Who's someone who inspired you? I wrote it about John McConaughey. Big shout out to John. Hope you're doing well, coach. Always hitting me up. Always saying he's proud of me. Appreciate you, John. Coach. High school was a little, it was crazy. Like, I was not the smartest, not the best looking, but a lot of people gravitated towards me. Um, I was a social butterfly, I guess, you know, like, um, always clowning around, uh, got best sense of humor and, uh, my senior year, um, uh, homecoming King. I was a likable guy. Um, didn't date too much. You know, a little here and there, but never, like, had girlfriends. I, I like being with my boys, man. I love being with my boys. Love kicking it with my boys. Fucking loved it. Fucking love that shit. Like, playing video games, listening to music, riding around, you know, and, and Scott's bro, bro ham. Riding around in Lies 85. Honda Accord. Uh, I think it was copper. <laughs> the copper uh, Honda Accord. We got to get I got to get you back on here, man. We got to finish our episode. It got messed up in the middle. Big shout out to live from Airplay Beats for the intro music. <clears throat> but yeah, just rode around, man. Like had a lot of fun. Um, you know, high school was dope. A lot of friends, a lot of lifelong friends. Graduate high school, um, then reality set in. You know, parents, you got to go to college. You got to go to college. I just didn't have it in me. But I went because that's what you did, right? You know, you go to college after you finish high school. So I did it. Quickly knew it wasn't for me. Especially at the time, it just wasn't for me. I was I was hanging. Out at the Lusk house. So Greg, Greg's dad. Shout out Rick Croucher, senior. For some reason, he gave Greg Tay. I think Nick Marshall was there. <laughs> he gave three 18 year olds a whole house to live in. The Lusk House is what we called it. What do you guys think we did? What do you think? You think Greg? You think Tay? You think Nick Marshall didn't call up everybody? This is 98, guys. Go listen. Go watch uh, Music Box. Um, <laughs> it was called uh, Woodstock Love peace and rage or something like that. That was the Lusk house. Not saying it was, you know, it was at the time we fucking did our thing. I mean, absolutely positively did our fucking thing. Parties. Girls. Alcohol. 
Did I mention parties? Did I mention girls? Alcohol. Luckily, I had a job at UPS. Three hours a day, or three hours a night, 11 to 2, getting paid really well. No rent. Pops gave me a Ford Tempo, the red Ford Tempo. We did our fucking thing at the Lusk house. A lot of these guys that I was partying with, they got kids now. I'll let them tell their kids that story. (laughs) This is just about me today. But party, girls, alcohol. And then 99 came around. Ecstasy came into the scene. Now, I'm just talking about me, guys. I'm not talking about nobody else. But that first double stack Mitsubishi, remember I told you Wu-Tang changed my life? Ecstasy changed my goddamn life. I've never been so happy. I've never felt so good. Double stack Mitsubishis. That's all I'm going to say. If y'all out there listening and you was there that first night with the double stack Mitsubishis, you already know what the next two, two and a half, three years look like. Double stack Mitsubishis. And then the raves came into play. And then the spiral came in. Because when you start dabbling, you wanna you you wanna go into different chambers. So mushrooms came into play. Acid came into play. GHB came into play. I got out alive, luckily. I don't know how. I was treating myself like an amusement park. I really was. People back then knew how I was. There was no off. It was all on. All in, all the time. Got out of that. Got into a pretty good relationship. Um, shout out, Taryn. <clears throat> Wouldn't be a cook without her. Her pops on Moxie. He put me under his wing. Uh, Bill Curran, rest in peace. But I wouldn't be I wouldn't be here without him. You know, I was working in warehouses. I was shriveling away, skinny as skinny as all hell. And you know, just kind of in passing, I was like, ah, thinking about quitting this job. You know, they ain't treating me right. I was working at Linens and Things at the time. And he just said, hey, don't you like cooking? I was like, yeah, you know, I, I cook, you know, for me and your daughter. He said, um, go, well, why don't you become a cook? Never even thought about it. First day at Moxie. Flames everywhere, slight funk, getting burned, 
skinniest line I've ever been on. I mean, there's this room to turn around. <laughs> ADA. Back then, you weren't getting no wheelchair through there. Walk-in was underneath the staircase, so when you walk into the to the walk-in, you like have to actually bend down to get to the corner. But it was like being on a team again. Like our coach, John McConaughey. It was like being being on that being on that basketball team again. We we in this together. We're 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 playing for one goal and that's to win. That's how it was in the kitchen for me. I never looked back. I never thought about anything else and and how to make money, I should say. All I wanted to do was be a chef. It took me about a year in that kitchen to come up with it, but I just knew that I was good at what I was doing. I knew I was good. The food tasted excellent when I was done with it, but it's, it was all about repetition it was all about Chef Joe. Shout out Jeff Joe. Wouldn't be here without you, buddy. Hope you still you're doing good. Hope you're still around, brother. Chef Joe from Yap. It's an island over there by Samoa and uh Tonga. Little island. Chef Joe and then Paul was back there too. Uh Paul ended up getting sick, so I took his position. About a year and a half in of being in the kitchen, I was a sous chef, or I thought I was a sous chef. But um, Moxie shaped me into the person I met. I am today. Um, was there for five years. Worked at Moxie and Moxie Junior. Um. About four and a half years in, uh, Bill came up to me. He's like, hey, you know, uh, ARC has a culinary department. Would you like going there? You know, um, he said he could help me out with the tuition, whatever. And I was like, I ain't doing nothing else. (laughs) Just working, just cooking. But I used to read a lot of cookbooks, and I used to watch, I think it was called Food food TV back then. I used to watch a lot of food TV. Um, and I knew there was, like, there were chefs on TV. I knew there were chefs like Joe. I knew there were chefs like Jen out at Moxie Jr., but I didn't know nothing else. All I knew was Moxie. I knew I, I worked at uh, Joe's Crab Shack for a night. And then I knew Food TV. Every time I talked to my mom, hey, you know, I'm just cooking. She's asking me when I'm going to go back to school to finish my education. You know, so I signed up for Sac City, started doing well. I was a little bit more mature by then. Um, so just went into, uh, this is when they, now the internet was already out, but I, I knew how to work the internet. So, um, I believe it was, uh, still Yahoo back then. I don't think Google search was around. Um, so I typed in culinary schools. I I think that was all I put in and immediately California, uh, culinary Academy pops up CCA. 
And it will, again, <laughs> like the Wu-Tang out, like, like just a genius. It's just that, that moment where you, you, you kind of, it's like an aha moment. I could be this chef. I could be shiny. That's what the brochure was. This is shiny. I could, I could run cruise ships. I could be Bobby Flay. I think it said like, you could be a chef on Bobby, on, on food, food TV, like Bobby Flay. <clears throat> so I, I, I called the number on the brochure or on the website. They're like, yeah, come down, you know, like I was like, well, you know, I'm already cooking, blah, 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 you know, uh, you know, is that okay? And they're like, yeah, whatever, you know, just come down to the school and, um, you know, we'll just go from there. So I went there. Um, I believe my dad took me down there. Um, we walked to school. Um, and at this point, like what? mom, my dad, like I'm, I'm looking probably pretty bad because everybody's coming to me. Like, you okay. You're really skinny. Like, what are you doing? You know, like it was, it was bad. You know, like I was, I was deep into alcohol, different types of drugs, <clears throat> but you know, I, I, I went to this culinary school um, and I knew what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a chef. I had an upper hand. I was already cooking in the kitchen. So that's what I did. I went to the CCA and I'm going to have to continue this. I didn't know I was going to be rambling on for this long. So uh, we're going to do a two-part. Um, I'll probably finish it up next week. If you're watching on the YouTube, we're going to have a different <laughs> gonna have a different shirt and hat on probably. Um, yeah, we'll do two parts of this one. Uh, hopefully I didn't bore you guys too much. I I just know that I have... I just have a lot of uh, stuff to say. So make sure you subscribe uh, to wherever you listen to the podcast. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube. Please like, subscribe, send us to your friends. Let's get, let's get more likes on the IG uh, at coming in hot. Um, I see last week there's a lot of people, but let's start tuning in. Let's get active on this damn thing. People. You know, I, I really don't ask too much, but I really like this podcast. Um, I really like doing this. And anybody out there, you can holler at me at Chef Cease if you want some of those beautiful mouthwatering chicken sandwiches. Holler at us, www.nashandproper.com, at Nash and Proper at Nash and Proper EG on all platforms, all social media platforms. I, hey, like I said, this is going to be a two-parter. I didn't know it was going to be this long. Uh, tune in next time. Love y'all. Peace.